Welcome to the Strength Coach Experience Podcast. Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Lego. Your host. And here we and here we go, go, go. Welcome, everyone, to the Strength Coach Experience, uh, episode 33. I uh, can't believe we're at 33 already. Uh, today, I want to welcome Quinn Sandler, who is the CEO of Plantiga, uh, all the way out there in Vancouver. Quinn, thanks for being on the show. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this, this technology and what your, your company's doing, uh, and thanks for being on. My pleasure. Thanks so much for, uh, for having me. It's my pleasure. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so why don't we just, you know, we'll start off for all the listeners. Why don't you go into a little bit about what, what is your company, what you guys do and, and kind of the, the artificial intelligence monitoring that you guys are into. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So essentially what we are building is what we call human movement intelligence. We have developed, I'll show you, very powerful IMU-based sensors that kind of slip inside an insole. And we measure movement with precision. So kind of what we've been able to get inside of a lab with force plates and motion capture and timing gates, we actually pull down into our system. So speed, ground contact time, flight time, RSI, uh, jump height, and a variety of other metrics. That basically is kind of step one. Step two is we do a bunch of data science and machine learning on top of that to really drive some predictions around performance, around um, recovery around rehab um, and around injuries. So we kind of have this platform of the hardware, but I think some of the really most exciting stuff that we do is in kind of a software analytics data science group. Um, and our CTO was with Tableau. So we're very much rooted in data visualization, data processing, but not just data, it's translating that data into actually something somebody can do something with because data for the sake of data is, is useless. So that's kind of, what we're about. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Data for the use of data is useless. Uh, we can bring up baseball. You know, they have all these wonderful analytics, but if you broke down most of them, they don't matter. Uh, yeah. XVLO is great, but all that matters is if the ball goes over the fence. So if totally. you get the ball at 75 miles an hour and it goes over the fence, that is just enough to get over there, right? I mean, it's yeah. great to, oh, look at this guy. He's got, you know, 150 exit velo and blah, 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 but it doesn't really matter, you know, and I'm sure as we get involved and you can tell the more power output somebody has or a lot of forces that people have, we can create more injuries, right? Or there can be more issues because the more force we have, the more stuff we have to deal with. And I think that's something that you guys are, are going to bring out, you know, or bringing out and talking about, but something that's kind of lost because we're still in that more power, right? You build a race car, bigger engine, more gas, more explosions. Totally. Instead of saying, well, if the ball can get over the fence and they do it consistently and they're That's healthy, all that they're strong enough, except, but if they, you know, if, if we get 200 mile an hour exit velos, but they're all hurt and they can't play five games, I don't think it really matters. Totally. Same thing with like combine style testing. Like I still find it so funny that like they'll do aspects of the NBA or NFL or combine testing, like somehow that matters your 40 time. It should re really be how, what was the distance to hit your top speed? Who cares about a 40? Like you might never run that. So I, yeah, I, I cannot agree. I feel like the way that we assess right now, um, especially in performance is a little bit old school. Um, and I, I think over the next five or 10 years, you're going to see that update a ton. Cause yeah, it doesn't matter to exit velo. Like, do you hit the ball over the fence? 
you know, like what's your batting average? Like these things, like what we can, like the outputs that actually um, matter. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I, I talked about it in another podcast. I think a lot of these tests are just because the people that run everything, it's safe. Okay, what's a combo? Oh, you bench press 225, you run a 40. We do the pro agility. They're easy. They don't have to change. Because I think if somebody like you comes in there and they say, okay, we're going to test how long it takes them to get the peak power. How totally. long does it take to get the top speed, right? How many How many of those reps were faster than 0.8 to 1.2 meters per second? Totally. Not how many you could do. And then I think we end up in, a, we honed up down a whole nother rabbit hole and we're going to replace, you know, a changing of the guard. And I, I think I'm not speculating and I'm not, calling out the test although i do think the tests are nonsense especially in baseball but lots of them are for sure the that's the issue it's it's become a it's become it's a thing within a thing it's its own thing the nfl combine i mean they have performance places that solely train for that you know so i think that and again this is just speculating but it requires more work the more we change the more we get better at these things and it's easier to just say well we're just going to get him to bench press 30 times at 225 and run a 40 and everything else right same thing with baseball we run a six totally. unless you're an outfielder and the center fielder and the left fielder die and you have to go get the ball we're not running 60 yards no but we also too i think we're in early innings you know to use a baseball like i feel like we're in like the first or second inning when it comes to performance science sports med like we really very rarely know what's happening with the actual body what aspects somebody has that will determine like even in drafting right lots of times the people that go in the top 10 are not the eventual people that outperform so why is that all the money getting dumped in across every league like it's still really hard to determine who's going to do well in their respective sport three or four years in Right. We don't know what correlates quite yet. We have a good idea, but not really. Yep. And I think that's an interesting point. You know, I, I love that Tom Brady's going to play to he's 100 and I love how he keeps winning because 199. He, he was 199th he draft pick. Yep. He continuously throws that in the face. And the interesting thing is that nobody's talked about yet is that if you take the people that are successful, right, in all sports, yeah. they will hit on all these tests we talk about. If you took LeBron James and ran him through the force production ringer and cardio output and all the analytical things that are important in basketball, he would have blown it out of the water. Same thing with, you know, Michael Jordan. Now now mindset is, is a huge thing that separates him too. And I'm a Michael Jordan guy. We'll always be. But also if you took him and you gave him those tests, same thing with Kobe, you know, rest in peace. They would have scored high. Same thing with with Tom Brady. Because a quarterback doesn't need to be fast. But if you would have tested football IQ, you know, ability to get the ball out, footwork, visual, balance, yeah, he yeah. would have blew every. He would have he would have scored higher, and he would have been your number one pick. But if yeah. you you know you look at him with his shirt off and you try to make him run a forty, you know he's not exactly what you want. But I think those are the things that need to be looked at. Is that all these got Mike Trout? If you would have yeah. took him and put him through an analytical combine, which is what I think needs to happen, he would have he would have done well regardless. So I think totally. that's a underwhelming thing well you know but you do have these guys you know your trouts your brady's your lebrons but i think if you if you test them in a better way through analytics i think they would have been better in the analytical stuff than uh than just the 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 random things we put them through now that's a good point and even back then too like we didn't do that testing you know like that testing is relatively new um so yeah i think uh i think you're right yeah no it's 
I, again, I just come back to we are early, early days, early days with understanding what even like change of direction, like how do we measure it, right? Do we measure it like from the time that you actually stop and then move? Like, is it like right versus left? Is it going cutting right and forward? And like that pro agility, it's not really the time. It's It should be like, how quick am I going from right to left and left to right? And, but just like timing me doing that circuit is somewhat useless. Like it's not useless, but it doesn't really dive deeper at surface level. Yeah. And it, it doesn't take into account of the how, because no. the how is what matters. Right? Totally. I mean, I know lots of people. They're What's fast, your loading they, strategy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. How did you get from there to there? Right. Totally. Because if you did it faster than me, but I let move less efficiently, if I moved, if I produce more power than you, I put less stress on my body and I was able to move better when something else happened, then I win, even though your time is faster, right? And, and we, right? I think yeah. we, we, we do a bad job in general of, we like to pick one variable. It's very easy to say a heavy deadlift creates velo. A heavy deadlift is better for the 40. Instead of saying, well, but how, like we talked about before, how fast is this 40? Totally. How, how many steps did it take him to get to 22 miles an hour? Right. That's been like how fast did it take him to get there? Who cares what the 40 or 50 or 60 was? Exactly. Because if you yeah. can run a four, if it takes you to the end of your 40 to get to top speed and you're able to do that in a game, you've already broke through the, the tackle. The important you're a wide receiver. Exactly. The hole is open. You have if you can get to top speed in four steps, that's what I want in the backfield when I'm running. Yeah. If you're at yeah. top speed at 30 yards running a 40, you're already gone. Totally. Totally. You know? Totally. Uh, so why don't we jump into, so just go over your background a little bit growing up and, you know, athletics and things like that. And then we'll kind of get into how you got involved in all this stuff and, and, and how you cool. created this. So background was, you know, I've always played tons of sports. So basketball, baseball, football, um, played, you know, summer rep leagues. I just, sport has always been a part of my life. I've come to realize that a lot of my ability, in, even in business comes back to sport, teaches you to win it teaches you that you can do everything in your power to win. And if you lose, that's okay. But at least you gave it your all. That kind of like mindset of like trying to outperform yourself, get better and just to compete, you know, like, like what it feels like to win. And I, I, I think, you know, I have a young child at just a year and a bit, but like sport to me is everything. And it's everything for heart and competition and, you know, teaches just values that I hold dear. So I played a ton of sport growing up. I feel like I'm very fortunate to work in that world now, um, whether it's on like the strength coach performance side or teams. Um, yeah. So, you know, sport to me, sport is everything. And it's, it's more than sport. Like, I feel like everyone's an athlete. You could be 75 years old and be an athlete because you're trying to perform and just fend off Parkinson's. Like anybody can be an athlete. I don't buy it that you need to be playing a sport. An athlete to me is like an athletic mindset. Um, so I feel like that's kind of what sport taught me. And we turn around and talk a lot about, you know, at Plantiga, how like everybody is an athlete. Everybody is. It's just the mindset. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. When you're training, regardless of its athletics or just a regular, you know, with the general public, you have to look at it as what do they want to do, right? And yeah. I think that's a, some of the, you know, corporate gyms, they don't really grasp that, right? I've worked for no. all of them and nothing against them. But it's if I have an older woman who's 70 years old, she comes to me. Why? Well, because I, not that she wants to get in shape. She wants to 
get out of a chair better. She wants to reach. Totally. She has she goals. Wants to walk faster. She wants to hold groceries. Like you said, those are still movements. So those instead of, well, up for grandchildren. everybody wants to generalize. It's not. It's okay. Out of these 20 movements of life, because once we get up there, what's most important to you? And I totally. think that is a great point And it's a direction. Everybody's athletic because whether or not you're in a sport, you're still training to do something. Exactly. Yeah. As you get like, I, I mean, I played sports and now I live to look nice, you know, but the point is, is it so I can still do those things, you know? And, and I think that is something that always has to be talked about. Not oh, we just do general fitness. Well, no, everybody has a goal. If you're 30 years old and you're a lawyer, why are you coming to me? Cause you want to be able to stand on your feet, delegate, have or bench press or, you and, know, be, be exactly. more confident or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's all as a thing. And I think that thing with sports, I wanted to dive into because I've been talking about it. This whole idea of everybody gets a trophy and, and winning all the time and everybody's on a team. I've spoke about it before. I think it's a terrible idea because terrible. you have to, as you said, sports participation medals yeah. is the worst idea. You need to learn that. No, you win, you win. If you get second, you lose. And that's fine. Not everybody wins. Like, that's what life is. So it yep. teaches you to be a good loser, essentially. Exactly. Yep. And, and 100%. I was on, you know, they just put up with Mike Barowitz. And he talks about what is the difference? Him and his son talked about it. To lose and be a loser. Meaning anything, you can lose, that's fine. But if you totally. take it and you turn it into a positive, okay, I could have done this better, but I did this really good. You're not a loser. Right. No, and I think totally. that's a, you've just lost. Is, exactly. And the stuff yeah. is, that's why I have a problem with it. You take away the trophies. And like you said, sport is sport. Sport changes your life. Everybody yeah. thinks it's a game. Oh yeah. No, if we take the soccer ball away, all the kids will be happy. No, it teaches you that as you grow up, everybody doesn't get a medal. Everybody's get a trophy and you have to, that's hierarchy. You have to work harder than the other person, right? If we totally. all just went to college and we all just got the same job, we'd be in that. What's that movie that, Stanley Cooper, somebody directed. It's like, a, I forget what it's called. Yeah, it's some futuristic or whatever, one of those older movies, but it's yeah, all yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, and it's just, like I said, I, I hate when they talk about that because it's not that you're, you know, a lot of the stuff we chip away at, it's not that you're, yeah, it's good now. It's great for the six-year-old that got cut because now he's happy. But in 20 years, when a boss says, no, you're fired or, ex, you know, so-and-so's better than you, what are we going to do, right? And that, that causes this psychological stuff. And, you know, we've been talking about that scratch the surface I love bringing up because I talk about mindset a lot. You know, I have a, my, my friend and teacher, Tony Ricci, talk about how, how like low on the boat we are with just in general mindset. We really know oh, nothing about sure. mindset and, and how it's kind of how we react, how it changes, how much it affects it. So I think, like I said, really good points with, uh, you know, you have to lose, you have to learn. And we are still in the infancy, like young, young incubator stage with with lots of this stuff. I mean, in retrospect, we know nothing. I mean, if you want We know to nothing. Like, yeah. like, and in fact, because we work in research, we conduct research, we're involved with universities around the world. What you realize is the more you dive into the literature, literature for one is probably two years behind where things are now, which is kind of interesting because it's peer reviews, but that works like 18 months old or two years or three years. And then second is we just don't know much. Like, like, like we really do not know a lot. It could be ACLs, ankles, it could be um, tendinopathies. Like we're just starting to understand this is correlated to this or quite frankly, what we thought was isn't. And also too, for us, I just, I'm in the world of return to play a bunch. Like the amount of people that don't use objective measures in deciding mm -hmm. if an athlete should go back after an ACL is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like, we work with a clinic, probably the premier clinic in Western Canada 
for ACLs. And when I asked them like what they did for objective um, measures, they said zero, we don't do any. Like you don't, you don't even take a measuring tape to do single leg jump for distance or for height. Like, are you kidding me? Well, like, like what is happening here? So in that sense, we're like in our infancy, not just with what we know, but even how we implement that data, how we make sense of it. Like people are still deciding things based on their eye, which is just crazy. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, I think, again, it goes back to if you, if, if you, it's, it's almost like if you talk about, you know, we'll talk about psychology. I'll bring up Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Uh, but he Hello, talks Canadian. about how, oh, I love, love him to death. Yeah, he's if great. If you... If he talks about how, if you set a goal, right, and you say, by next Friday, I am going to lose five pounds at the gym, right? You go to the gym or you don't go to the gym. By next Friday, I can lose five pounds or not. It's right in front of your face. Yeah. If I, but then if I pick something that's a little more, um, you know, obtuse or not as, not as clear cut, right? Not speaking yeah. what I mean. Not a key result. You can't exactly. I can, yeah. I can let that marinate for eight months. If I'm not clear cut in exactly what I'm doing, I can let that marinate for eight months, 10 months. There's no, there's no ability to test. And the bandwidth is so long that by time, if ever I find out what I'm doing is actually working, nobody can say anything or it's not enough time to teach me a lesson. So I think to bring that back to what you said, I think by having objectively stuff and saying okay he jumped six feet last week and now he's jumping seven i have to sit down and say okay what i'm doing is working totally. well if i want to look at you and say oh well his cue angle looks great have at it that allows me to say well i thought and i, I think and I, I don't like to say that because it's terrible but i think that's what happens it's more of you're you're not wanting they don't want to be held to a standard because yeah. obviously if I were to do that, if you were to do that, I want to hook you up to a sensor. I want to see, okay, yes, he, he's stronger, you know, oh, but we got more activation from the quad. You know, we had less pressure on the ACL. His LCL was good. The knee didn't track. We want to find that that's truly returning to play. Not You can't change what you don't measure, right? Exactly. Right? If you don't measure it, how are you supposed to change it? Mm, exactly. I think that's yeah. right. Amen to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, growing up playing sports, how did you – get involved in in this how you know, were you always interested in in a technology little, or was it something that just kind of piggybacked off of sports and kind of you know my story is a little bit um unique and very family oriented so i actually started playing tiga with my father oh. uh almost like 10 to 12 years ago it was a side project kind of a side hustle my dad had a background in biomechanics and product design so i kind of came into it with him I'm in university, I'm kind of, probably actually was just after, basically with the idea that ground reaction force, we're measuring the way that the foot interacts with the ground. If you could do that from within the shoe, that has blue sky opportunity. So whether it's, you know, different diseases or sports or performance or seniors or health, like it just, it, it's amazing to track that. So we kind of bumped along um, my dad actually got very, very ill with prostate cancer and passed away four years ago. Oh, wow. So very what's good. interesting about Plantiga is like, it's still very much in my dad's honor. And about four years ago, when my dad got sick and passed away is actually right when our company started to kind of get our roots. And we got our first customers in the Mariners and we kind of started our direction. So my father, Norman, um, lives on our patents and kind of very much 
I now can kind of walk the talk like a sports scientist and I interact with them every day. Um, but really I got, I got through this world through my dad, which was his world. And my background was in graphic design and products. So very much around building, um, but not really around building with like human data, things like that. So that's kind of the background. And now we're a team of 15 and we're growing and we're like, we're a bona fide business, you know, mm -hmm. making money out there in the world. Yeah, no, that's a great story. Like I said, uh, family owned and, and the biomechanics background is great. Uh, I think that's that word needs to be pushed more and more. Like I said, I use it all the time and it's more, you know, you have to have that understanding, you know, the biomechanics. And I think that's great. You know, what the bottom of the foot can tell you is amazing. You know, it's like a runner. You look at the bottom of their sneakers. The stuff can, you know, if you can analyze that and those ground reaction forces, that's that's going to tell you whether you're going to get hurt or not. I mean, that's 100%. It's, it's almost like writing on the wall, right? It's not like it's almost right in your face and nobody's touched it for so long. For us, too, is like we look at spatial and um, temporal uh, gait. So that's basically space and time, things like ground contact time and flight time, but also how the actual limbs are moving, like stride length, stride length variability, swing time, swing time, variability. So we kind of really extract, not just where the foot hits the ground, but kind of you're like low back down. We really are like a magnifying glass, kind of like an MRI where we can visualize the bottom half of the body's kinematics and then extract a whole whack of information and insights from that. So like we do this thing called the technique, it's called movement maps, but we basically visualize how the limbs move across the sagittal, coronal, all of these different planes. And you get a really good visual image of how those limbs move. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like that part of the body and that kind of understanding you really only get in labs. And that's kind of a, a statement that I come from my dad, but the democratization of gate analytics. Historically, if you wanted to look at how you walk around and even now, you have to go into a lab at a university, even sports teams barely have them. So very few people have access to this amazing data set. Like it's so valuable. And our kind of driving goal was always, how can we take that and bring that to a much wider population? In fact, just regular people, like how can we democratize that data? So that's kind of yeah. always what's driven us. And even when we started with me and my dad, yeah, no, I, I can see as you talk about it, that graphic design background really picks up because when you start, you know, the breakdown of the movement, you start putting those grids in, that's totally. all about graphic design. It's the same, you know, the same way you probably make a sphere on a paper is the same yeah. way that the body gets broken down within space to analyze yeah. the movements in the joint angle. Totally, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Uh, and, I, and I think that's, you know, that's huge. It's an untapped resource, right? Because we, what, we, what have we done before you guys? We test athletes. Well, they have the best gates because they're they're made to do. That's what they do for a living. They're unnatural but, to the regular population by exactly. definition because they're professional. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I, I think that's you know that's always been a crazy. You see a commercial for Nike, they go through all this science, but I'm like, why are we testing them? Because we're just going to find out that they're really good at all this stuff. But Which we know other people exactly. You know, and, and I think that's the problem. It's always, we always test the upper echelons, right? It's always, I uh, I just got to talk to, I don't know if you've heard of Levels, the, the, they do the yeah, glucose. Of course. So, Amazing. Yeah, yeah, I just talked to them and somebody was, the other, yesterday was like, why would you do that? I'm like, why would I do that? It's amazing. They're going to analyze my blood your sugar. Your metabolic response to training to understand yeah. what your glucose is. Are you kidding me? You yeah. want to do that. Yeah, but it's just, it's it's a thing where it's, it's for some reason, you know, stuff that you're doing, the Fitbit, 
it's always athletes first and then and then it tapers down and then now it goes on to yeah it should be the other way if you're on no offense but if you're severely out of shape and obese and you're not active you should wear a fitbit so every morning it comes on and says hey yesterday you walked 50 feet you burned seven calories you didn't sleep and this is what happened and your resting heart rate's terrible not you know lebron james doesn't need to know what his resting heart rate is and how many steps he took just as a side note we got fitbits with the mets I yeah. gave mine away because the first day it said I walked 26,000 miles, 26,000 like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't need this to tell me I'm active. Even when I'm on a plane with my Apple watch, it'll say you've done 10,000 stuff. I'm like, no, I'm just on a plane. I'm not like, <laughs> like it's, it's actually super early days there. What, what's interesting about levels. And I think what that company is doing is amazing. And I've met some of the people there. Um, is if you look at them, they're looking at like metabolic fitness, right? Mm -hmm. So blood glucose response to training. If you look at things like Gainful, we have personalized protein powders. We have whoops, which basically is respiratory and heart rate. So it's like how I breathe and my heart, Mm -hmm. nothing on the market measures the biomechanics. How does somebody fucking move, right? Like, how are you moving? Because if we measure that, we can fend off a looming injury we can really objectively track my ACL. Like a big thing that I, that I care about is if you look at the ACL rates between female athletes and male athletes, it's a travesty. Yep. Like females are six times higher just because their hips put their knees yep. in valgus. But again, like, why are we not tracking these people? Why are women at an alarming rate doing one ACL and then injuring their contralateral ACL. It's like, what is happening? So Mm -hmm. I feel like we very much want to kind of be a voice in that space. Cause again, you have the levels, the glucose, I can get genetic testing. I can get all sorts of testing as an individual, but I can't Mm -hmm. track my movement. I just can't do it. It doesn't exist. So that's why we're very much driven around that mission of that democratization of gate analytics. Yeah. Very much driven about that. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I think a few years ago, I think I signed up for a beta. I think it was an Atlas or an Altus. It was a wristband that it was yep. supposed to analyze the movements of the exercise and analyze whether you did it right or not. I, I never heard anything. I don't know if they ever uh, went into production. I think Atlas but... just sold to Peloton. So if it was Atlas, really? they literally yeah. just got bought by Peloton, I think last week. Yeah, yeah. because I remember because I thought it was great, but it never, it was in the, you know, it was in, I think it was, it was in the early beta. phases. Yeah. It wasn't even like, I didn't think they had a, a, an actual thing but yeah i was looking at it and i was like wait this is i was like this is groundbreaking if they come out with this this is amazing totally. and it was supposed to yeah it was supposed to um yeah i think yeah you know it would it had a database with exercises and yeah. you know if you did a shoulder press it would be aware of that it would count your reps and we put your sets in there and, and things of that sort but yeah no you're right i think that's great what you're doing because nobody measures those things and no. to bring to your point you know with the female with the q angles and everything else it's also you know you look at soccer oh well soccer players hurt their acls basketball players hurt the acls baseball players tear the use it no it's, it shouldn't be that way it should be there is a way I think to play is, I mean, there's going to be injury, right? We can't prevent anything, but why not have the most data? And just to your point, why are we not? It's right there. It's not like ACLs happen in women's soccer more than men's because we have no idea. The information's right there. You can stick a sensor on a thousand kids on a weekend tournament and analyze ground reaction force, why they do this, why they're cutting, you know, and, and we can get so much stuff out of it. And it's like, it's like I said, it's an untapped resource. I think, and you know, when we think about that too, like, so we sell into 
We're in five NBA teams right now, four in the NFL, lots in Major League Baseball, lots of amateur pro. What, what I find interesting is I'll come into a team and I'll just ask them, like, do they have, do they, have they done any testing on walking or running? And they're like, no. Sometimes they do force plate jump testing and they, you know, have RSI or some modified RSI. What I find fascinating is, is that's a big selling point. It's like, guys, you should be getting a walk test on file like you would be taking blood. So if someone is actually dealing with a hamstring and you get a newer walk test, like that baseline data is shocking that we don't have it. And I'll just say, just imagine. So we've had some NBA teams that have now gone to baseline the entire team, which is fantastic. But it's like, yeah, everybody should get baseline testing, single leg jump for distance, for height, you know, walk test, run test. That should be just a standard of practice, whether you're taking it from Plantiga or some other method, but some other method is going to be expensive and you're going to have to go to a mocap lab. Um, that should just be like standard care, you know? Absolutely. And I, I think it just, it needs to be added. I have a, I have a question I just thought of while, have you guys found, obviously you probably have, but have you found decent correlations between somebody that at a base walking test has kind of a lot of, um, you know, imbalances and then relationship to injuries they've had in the past? hundred percent. Yeah. So we're in the early days of even understanding mm -hmm. asymmetries, but what we do find, so we've done, we've probably collected on over 3,500 people. Uh, maybe about 2,000 of them have been athletes. People's healthy asymmetries, when they are healthy, is actually very tight across a number of things, like ground contact time, flight time, swing time. Most healthy people are within 10%, honestly. Like, they're healthy. They don't report any problems. They feel great. It could be 5% on one walk and then 4% the next way. Like, and it's kind of in this healthy band. When you measure somebody and in a walk test, it comes out that they're like 14, 15, 16%. They might, like, you might ask them, hey, so, like, what's up? They might say, well, you know, I actually had a hamstring injury a couple of years ago. I, you know, like, I felt like that's kind of still negative. And you can see the remnants of that in how they move. So, no, we do have a good understanding of what healthy is as best as we can. But then what's interesting about asymmetries is you have learned adaptations. So there are some people that we will measure that have a high asymmetry and are perfectly healthy that, you know, from an injury when they were young or something. So asymmetries are also challenging because you have to not, you know, detrain something that is actually natural. But at the same time, a lot of asymmetries, especially when they're like exaggerated, do resemble something that's off. You know, it is basically like your suspension on the car. You don't like if that suspension is kind of off, it will kind of manifest in, into other things. And we see that often. Yeah, no, I, I think that's interesting. And I think that's great that, you know, you're able to do that because that's where everything comes from, you know, and again, going back to it, as our technology grows, coaches have to evolve. And I've always said, you know, a lot of the mistakes you see in performance coaching is I think it's a, it's a, it's a stop to technology in that if you stay in your own thing with the, you know, I talk about all the time, certain amount of weight makes you do this or that. Yeah. It stays you in a safe place as opposed to now, if, if I'm a person, if I'm a strength coach and I'm all about power, I'll put Westside barbell, but then I call you and you come and say, Hey, all your athletes, they all walk wrong. And we need to change this. I now have to learn a whole new group of technology exercises. I have to revamp my whole program now to change based on the analytics that you and your, your company have come up with. And I think that's a scary thing, right? I love oh, seeing the technology, sure. but I think that is, I think that's our biggest roadblock between tech 
technology and having like iRobot as a performance industry and some of the places where it's like Rocky Four. You know, I I think yeah. there's still I think that one little stick, if you will, is is the middle between us having these futuristic laboratories that we now call weight rooms and yeah. some people that still live like it's Rocky Four. Yeah, you know what? And on that point too, I think like we have discovered that a lot of what we do with Plantiga is we also educate people on what some of these things mean because they'll be like, do I even care? Like who cares about ground contact time, asymmetry? Who cares about flight time? Like, why do I care? Talking about forties, more so than a 40, it's not just like how many steps you get to top speed, but like what your ground contact time is at each stride. Like it can like, like you can work back and really start to understand. Um, so I think that's a big one. What I also think too, is I don't think technology is going to replace the practitioner. I think technology very much and where we see ourselves in is kind of being at the center of the experience or the practitioners at the center of the experience and we're enabling that. So you can imagine like a very, like in the not too distant future, a strength coach should be able to monitor their population at home. So if they're training themselves and that data should come back to them and they should be able to use that data to have a conversation. And we feel with Plantiga that we're kind of enabling that experience, not getting rid of the practitioner at all. It's just enabling that practitioner, educating them on kind of how this data is important and how to implement it. That's kind of where we feel that we are right now. And we, we realize that in some groups that get us that don't use it a bunch, the education component is the missing piece. So once we teach them and do onboardings and data dives, then they start to use it a lot. Even some NCAA programs that like use it on two guys, you educate them more, they use it on 50 guys, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think education uh, for everybody listening is the key uh, because it's not that these technologies don't work and it. I don't think it's, they don't want to use them, but if it's filled with a lot of big high tech stuff and you don't totally. understand it, you're not going to be more inclined. So I think it's great that with the technology comes the education. And I yeah. agree hundred percent with in the future, we're going to still be that we're going to be the ones to understand the technology and explain it to your athletes, kind of like a mission control at NASA, right? Totally. We're not, totally. we're not in charge of, you know, totally. We're not sending, you know, ships out to Mars or whatever without people, but we're still there to a gauge emotions, right? Because yeah. technology will never be able to do that. Uh, we need to be emotions, trust. And I think it's, we still need to have that trust. We need that practitioner there. But as a practitioner, as a performance coach, now I go to my athlete and say, look, here's what I want you to do. And that trust that I'm telling them what to do. And then they trust me and I'm not going to hurt them. will allow them to A, get better, but B, use more technology. Hey, I've tried X amount of this. I've tried this software. It's okay. Use this. And then we can take those numbers and we can explain it to our athletes to make an overall better experience. But I still think 100%. exactly anybody that wants to try to get rid, you're never going to get rid of that human contact. I think that's never. a huge COVID thing. Training virtually is great. That's what I do now. But that human contact is there, especially in performance because it has to be there. Yep, it has they, to be there. That right? trust has to be there. Yeah. You know, in, in that too, like, I really do feel like data as it develops, not just us, just data and sport performance and human um, performance in general, it really is just a part of the conversation. And I think the challenge is how do you simplify it enough for someone to understand? Like, you know, a lot of also what it's doing is like Sherlock Holmes, you'll put him a program in place 
you don't know if it's going to make them run faster. So you kind of need to deduce and measure, hey, is it working? And if it's not, you go back to the drawing board and you switch up their program and we try something else. All the data is like a check engine. Like It's like giving you the diagnostics back on what's happening. And then you as the practitioner can kind of better tailor your program for their goal. And that human connection is never going anywhere. And in fact, I think tech, if we're thinking about it properly, just has to en enable that. So we're actually making data-driven decisions and it's based on like objective measures, which I think is kind of the key thing. Yeah. No, Nothing absolutely. like there's been some studies to say that like a practitioner, this was, I think, a physical therapist, but their ability to determine a weak leg was as good as chance. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. like watching yeah. someone squat as good as chance to determine what the weaker leg is, you know, like, yeah. like they don't really know the eye is the eye is bad. Yeah, no. And, and it's and also I think the eye is a learned behavior, right? Because totally. you take two people, let's say this is extreme, but. If I have you work in a facility for 10 years and you only teach squats that way and you yeah. take somebody else and they teach squats a whole different way. Totally. Your eye and my eye are going to be different. Not that we learn the wrong way because we both have the same amount of experience, you know, IQ test, you can do whatever you want. But if that's what you've seen and you've identified it as correct, any other way is going to be foreign or wrong. So I think that's another thing too. Not that it's bad or good, but it's, it's also a learned behavior. You, everybody, I think, especially in exercise, I'm sure you could agree. And some people that don't coach or train don't really understand when your client or athlete perfectly squats or deadlifts for the first time, you're like a happy parent, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh my God, it all worked. But that, that vision is in your head from the beginning. But yeah. I also think it's also how you're represented. And I think with the data, it's good because it, it acts as a control, right? Regardless, if my squat is this way and somebody else's is that way, and I see yours as crap and you see mine as terrible, but now you can come in the middle and say, yeah, but in terms of ground reaction force, shin angle, muscles totally. working, you know, stressors and shear forces on the joint, they work the same or his is better. Now I'm out because yeah. the technology is there to um, figure it out. I have, a, I have a question too. I wanted to ask in yeah. your opinion, how do you think we change this whole thing where because I feel like it happens in, in baseball, the biggest and, and the other sports are a little bit ahead. But how do we, because we, you're talking about understanding and, and the way to present things, how do we protect from, because I've seen it a lot, you come out with a new technology, right? Let's just say yeah. a system. A team takes that technology, they implement it throughout their minor leagues, their professional, everything. What seems to happen though, somewhere in the middle is the first year they're analyzing everything. They're getting numbers, they're getting data. They're making sure the players are healthy. The players are in the know. Everybody's mixed in. The technology has really helped, you know, push the performance. But somewhere along the line, and this could just be me, but I've noticed that we get caught on or the higher ups get caught on one number. And instead of force plates determine, you know, time spent on the ground and how fast we can get to a certain speed and that correlates to velo somehow still get mixed up in, well, the more force that this guy produces on the force plate, the higher his velo is. And then we go backwards and then we try to get the guys, you know, analytic numbers high because we think they directly correlate to velocity or running speed. How do you yeah. think we could, we could change that? Do you think that's an educational thing or. That's, that's a, such a good question. And I feel like we interact that with a lot of our customers is there's, you know, your front office who are not scientists. Um, 
but they're very smart in their own right. Then you have your kind of VP of performance and player health and that kind of interaction and kind of focusing in on some metrics. The thing is, is we just don't really know. Now, you can't say that to some, you know, AGM, but that's the truth. It's like, look, we don't know. And I, I think maybe just being more honest and transparent that, look, as good as data is, and we collect it for a living, the application of that data is literally where it's at. Like collecting data is one thing, fantastic. Lots of organizations do it. But then it's like, what do I do with that? Mm-hmm. And then not only what do I do with that, but then can I implement those strategies and actually get some outputs that actually matter, like winning more games or having better player availability or blah, blah, blah. So I don't know a single answer, but I think it would start with just a lot more damn transparency of like people should just say, I don't know, way more often in this world. Because there's a lot of people that even I read that are like, I don't know how you're that confident. How do you, how do you, how do you say that with so much confidence when in fact the research says that there's like kind of two arguments and we don't really know. So I think it's just people need to be so much more honest with the fact that we're so early on, like we can draw like face validation correlations, which I think we do a bunch and there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't think we really know a whole lot. And that's where I think like you have to be committed to data collection as a process that like to get longitudinal data off of like one, two, three years. I also find too with teams, they switch out performance staff sometimes like it's weather patterns. So how are you supposed, and even if you have a player for one year, really you need like two, three, four years of data to really start kind of making sense of stuff, which is actually, we actually believe very very strongly about going to the athlete more than ever. Athletes should own that data. They should collect it on themselves. It should be like bottoms up approach, not so much top down approach. Mm because they need to be tracking that from when they're in high school. And then they could be way more informed and tell the performance staff with the GMs, like what is working and what's not. So anyways, I digress. But yeah, I think ultimately transparency and way more, I don't know, or I think this might mean that, you know, lots of, I think, cause we don't really know some stuff we do, but lots of stuff we don't. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like I said, I, I wanted to get your opinion, but I, I think that's a great answer because it's almost like we operate in a, we don't really know what we're doing, honestly. I mean, if you want no. to talk it up, but we, but we have to answer to people that want, that want black Clear answers. answers right now, right? I mean, yeah. I've talked about it before. When you train a professional athlete, are you really making them better? Or are you just keeping them at the area or the skill? Like, like the same thing is, in, and I, I've always, you know, nothing against the guy, but like the guy that comes out and trained Michael Jordan. Oh, well, we, we changed his body from, Baseball, the basketball, I'm like, it's Michael Jordan. Like the guy. You hey, know, like, I heard that in the ESPN thing. And I was like, I don't know. I think Michael Jordan is one like, of this, the best athletes in human history. And he's unbelievable. And you could have had him going and being a professional golfer. And he would have done that too. Like, you know. But it was just, oh, well, his body was fully all baseball. So we had to, no, he played baseball, which is entirely lazy. And then he came back too early from basketball. And he hadn't ran in forever. Too and, low, too much load, too soon. Yeah, exactly. But I, I always yeah. think like, you know, that's always the thing. It's 
I don't know. Like, that's the thing. Like, and you brought up a great point. You know, when I, when I started doing baseball stuff, a lot of times in college, people are like, Oh, did you know this would work? No, but I know it will now because I did exactly. And for a whole season, and I, I did some stuff. Nobody died. We played better. So now I can say, Hey, this works. Cause I tried it, but you can't, you can't come. I think it's, you know, as technology gets better and as we get better with our um, kind of the techniques we use, we don't know unless we use them, but you can't tell anybody that you don't know. And the people that answer to you, they all need hard evidence and they need exact translations. And I think that's the problem because it would be, you know, if you were, I think the programs would be so much better leaps and bounds. If I could go to a coach and say, do you have an idea? Yeah. Okay. Where'd you get this? Oh, well, well, this team does it. This guy does it. This guy does it. And all my education tells me this is going to work. I don't know if it's going to help at all, but all the things that I know and the people that I got it for, everything points to a yes, as opposed to, oh yeah, look, his squat numbers are, and, and like I said, just like you talk about, and it's, we don't know, you know, it's the same thing with baseball. Now you're explaining to people front office is front office, but they don't know what you're talking about. And I think it goes the other way. Then you have analytical guys yelling at you because some guys, you know, glycogen level or his hamstrings off by points. I'm like, first of all, too much. Come on. We have to just say, I have no idea. And, you know. We're all trying our best. And like, you know, it's like Sherlock Holmes. You have yep. a magnifying glass and you're trying to uncover. And it's a level of discovery. And what works for a first baseman probably won't work for mm -hmm. an outfielder. Probably won't work for a pitcher. And they're all a little bit different. Not only are they different, like a term that we use at Plantiga a lot is M equals one. Like, fuck, man, everybody is so unique that even what worked for one athlete might not work for the second athlete. Like, it's so that is the individualized um, uh, level that we're at. So, you cannot make blanket statements across a position or a type of sport. It's like, no, 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 no. If anything I've ever learned, it is unique to you, unique to me, unique to every single person like our fingerprints, you know? So. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's interesting too. It's almost like when, when you get these anomalies, right? Your Jordans, your Bo Jackson's, people try to deny it. Oh, Michael Jordan was terrible at baseball. Well, Michael Jordan betted 250 in double A. <laughs> After not he was not terrible at baseball like, at all. You know, you know how hard it is to bat 200 after not playing baseball for 15 years? That's in People wouldn't even hit the ball if you didn't know what you're doing. Totally. Bo Jackson, yes, it's terrible what happened, but do you know how hard it is to play baseball and then just do some stretches and run for 200 yards on Monday Night Football? Like, when those people come up, it's always like, well, yeah, but this happened, or they should have did this, you know? And it's just like... I think that the biggest thing is like what people should learn in, in this stuff with the data is appreciation. When a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan come along, appreciate just that they're athletic. Give them all the credit. Totally. The guy's the best basketball player ever. And then he just took two years off and went and hit 200 in professional baseball. I mean, <laughs> that's unbelievable. But yeah, people are like, well, yeah, he didn't do as well. And he struck out a lot. And who cares? The guy yeah, played lots baseball. of guys strike out on a lot. That's baseball. Exactly. You know, and I, I think it's amazing and, and, and stuff like that. I want to get into, because we talked about before the show, and I love it, the stuff you're doing with the military and, and kind of how sure. your technology almost seems like they, they're taking full advantage and you're, you're advancing everything in, in those realms. And that kind of teased that from the last part. The thing about the military, which is amazing, is they are very much recognized that they don't know. So you could almost kind of categorize what we do in the military, quite frankly, is research. So they have a problem. Like they don't know the type of load that these guys are under on combat missions, or they don't know how they move when they come in for basic training. So 
where we've kind of come in, we have a big contract with the Canadian Armed Forces. We have some really good stuff with the US um, DOD and DARPA. And basically to summarize them is we're taking our system. A big thing is guys come in, they break them. So stress fractures, ACLs, like it's crazy how many soldiers they break when they start to train. Too much, too soon. So what we've done is we've done some stuff around, can we do a walk, run and jump test? And can we classify people who don't really run that fast and might have higher asymmetries and have a bad RSI and they don't jump down that high? Can we categorize them at a like higher risk for injury? And because of that, they should go in program A, medium risk or low risk. And the thing is, is we tell them in the military is great is we don't really know. So we have to collect a bunch of data. We have to analyze it. One up here, in Canada, which I think is really exciting, is we built an algorithm that can predict carriage load. So I carry a backpack with 100 pounds. We trained a model with machine learning and deep learning techniques where we can actually predict within five pounds how much weights someone's carrying in their backpack just by the way that they move their legs. So the kinematics of their lower limbs change. What we do with that um, algorithm is if I know you're carrying 80 pounds, but our predictive algorithm says you're walking like people who are carrying 120 pounds, that means you're maladapted to carry that weight. Thus, you're at higher risk for injury because you're walking like it's way heavier than it is. So I think some of that work is the most exciting stuff because, again, you can run from, you can put somebody through a two-minute walk test weighing 80 pounds. And if on the flip side, if our algorithm says, look, they're walking like they're carrying 60 pounds, that means they're like really tough and that weight doesn't really affect them and how they move. So you can almost put them and train them um, a bit harder. Really what these kind of programs are about is their musculoskeletal injuries and the cost associated with treating them, stress fractures, the knee injury itself with the US and the Canadian, like it's crazy the amount of ACLs and MCLs, like it's just brutal. So our work is really around like screening, baselining, using that data in rehab or return to combat. And then kind of, again, like, can we try to assess at risk or high risk? And then some stuff that we're trying to apply for now is, can we actually try to predict performance output? Now that is like if, because that is such a challenging problem, but can we see some stuff to try to show what Marine might actually make it through? Cause again, lots of guys kind of bounce out. That process is really expensive. So that's kind of in a nutshell, but it's really exciting. And that same type of stuff, even with like um, the load carriage um, uh, prediction stuff is you can apply that to firefighters anybody that carries heavy loads, even policemen, anybody in that tactical realm, are they maladapted to carry that weight? If they are, they're likely gonna be at higher risk for hurting themselves. So it's really exciting and something that uh, it's probably our largest contracts, quite frankly, like they pay very well, the militaries. And they know it's research and it's from the basis of, we don't fucking know. So let's figure it out. Right. Like all we have is we have a data collection platform that's validated in our metrics. It's awesome. It's unobtrusive. You can put it in combat boots. You can put it in everywhere. And now we have a lab in the field and now they want to just collect data. Like, let's see what's there. Step one is collect. Right. Step two is analyze. Step three is implement. So that's kind of we're in kind of step one, step two right now. Yeah, I, I think that's that's awesome. Like I said, the stuff with the load and just to your you know your point, I, I was actually listening to Joe Rogan the other day and they were talking to Marcus Luttrell and he said, you know, the biggest, the biggest the biggest thing that separates them 
they're not afraid to say, I don't know. They said in the, in the middle, it's a big deal. I know from, you know, certain stories and different people, but yeah. if you don't know something, you have to say, I don't, if you try to act like, you know, what you're doing and you screw up, you get, you get kicked you out. You get then, like kicked you know, out. They hate that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think yeah. that's, that's very interesting. What we were just talking about that ability to say, I don't know. Now on the flip side for everybody watching, you're, you're supposed to, I don't know, then go figure it out right of away course. and come back in a few yeah. hours. But the point is, is that, if you don't know something, you are highly instructed to say, I don't know. I don't know. If you're yeah. if you're navigating through the woods and you don't know, there's no getting yelled at. You it's a very big deal for you not to uh you know to to not admit that you know. If you try to, you know, uh fabricate, it's it's a very big deal. I do know that because they're talking about that. Hubris is not uh like hubris means like kind of overconfidence. That is not a trait that they like, you yeah. know. I, uh, I went to Altice a few years ago with Dan Pep. And we oh, cool. About the Special Forces, the Russian Special Forces, the Navy SEALs. And one of the, the great things that he brought up, I mean, Dan Pep's amazing. You know, hear him speak. He can, you know, stand in front of somebody running and tell you what's wrong with them. And he doesn't look totally. wild. But in the story, he was talking about, you know, and I always found this to be fascinating and, and very interesting. What they look for in the performance tests is, is, is they score high on empathy and caring for others is what they not rage and aggression and craziness seals totally. all the hard asses, if you will. They score in like the 95 percentile of, of empathy and understanding. Of empathy. Yeah. 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 We, we've done some work with Stu uh, and Altus. They have a kit. Um, they're a fantastic group who are doing some amazing work. Yeah. No, they're great people. I mean, I went out there. Anybody out there listening, if you're looking for an internship somewhere to learn. Uh, oh yeah. Obviously, but go out there. I mean, I was there for three. It was amazing. I mean, everything that they, it's almost like everything that they do, you know, we, we talked about that relief with the squat, everything they do is like, correct. Everything that you do, you're like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Oh, right. They analyze load. They change running surfaces. There's a, there's a guy there to fix stuff. The, the weight room isn't insane. It, it works with whatever they're doing. You know, it's, totally. it's just one of those places, I guess it's like a safe space because Everything that goes on, you're like, okay, you know, they're, they're really starting to, you know, they're doing everything correct, you know, makes you feel good. Not that everybody's yeah. in the room, but. Our head of performance and science guy named Dr. Matt Jordan, him and Stu McMillan, who's also one of the founders of, of, of all this, I are very close. When I was yeah. there, I, I believe, I think he, does he have a beard? He does, yeah. Like well, a big white beard, tall guy. He's tall, tall he, guy. He, he was like barefoot. He had like blue lemon pants on, but he's brilliant. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely. Him. Yep. Yeah. 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 yeah yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so we kind of got connected through, um, we're into that school through Stu and through kind of our VP uh, of performance, Matt. That's another thing that you actually find about this world is it's crazy small. Like yep. there's really not, like if you take baseball, even if you go NCAA, Div 1, Div 2, professional sports, and you're actually like put everyone, athletic trainers, strength coaches, sports, like, it's really like maybe what five, 600 p- um, people. It's not a big population. It's very small. It's uh, it's also why you need to be just generally a good person because the world is tiny, especially in the world of sport, especially in, you know, the U S Canada, it's just not big. Absolutely. I mean, just to look at what right now, right. We, we connected through Instagram a few days ago, but I, I talked to levels two weeks ago and I went to levels a month them, ago. You know, I went to I went to Altus. You know the same guys. I mean, it's crazy. You know, I mean, we yeah. were just talking about that. I I coached a kid who lives in Vancouver Island, but totally anybody. You know, we'll, we'll get through the you know some of the stuff later about future. But if you're listening, and I'll be the first to tell you, networking and just being a good person is what allows <laughs> me to have all these amazing conversations. Because yeah. I will say, everybody that I bought it, they know somebody from someplace. 
that I went to school with. I mean, it's wild. I mean, I've interviewed people that are in, like me, you live in Canada, right? And you do yeah. analytical stuff and we've, can, you know, you know, two, three, four people that I do. You know, I think that the, one of the takeaways, you know, just right here while we're on it is, if you're listening in this and if you want to get involved in this or how do you talk to, just talk to people, send them totally. messages and stuff, but like everybody's connected. So it's very good not to like piss people off or, you know, be very judgmental of people's things on Instagram with social media. Yeah. Everybody's connected. I mean, I've told stories before. There has been times where I was standing in the field in the minor leagues and a kid would run up to me on the other team and I coached him in summer ball seven years ago. And to be yeah. honest, nobody out there, he wasn't any good. My first thought was, as he embraced me, how did you get drafted? How did you get here? Terrible <laughs> six years ago. I didn't say that, but like, yeah. you know, just yeah. those things. It's such a small world. You know, I mean, you talked about the numbers, you know, look at baseball. You know, I used to look at it when I was there, you know, for the money we get, there's only 350 strength coaches in baseball. I mean, now they have performance, but that's not a lot of people, you know, rugby, you, you know, with your stuff, you know, there's, there is a lot of analytics, but there's not a ton of companies that are out there doing the same thing, you know, and And like like most teams, like we work with some baseball teams that don't even really have an applied sports science group. Like, like, that's kind of a new thing. And, you know, like we work with an NBA team, they have one sports scientist, that's it, that tries yes. to make sense of the um, data. So it's just really not a big world. Yeah. And and like I said, it's it's always foreign to me that years ago, 10, 11 years ago, the Knicks were wearing wearable things, but we haven't gone anywhere from that. You know, I remember hearing stories in college. Oh, yeah, they used to wear a thing. And on it, you could tell what, you know, Quentin Richardson's uh, blood pressure was. And stuff. But I'm like, well, where, where, but where is this going? We just stayed with that for 12 years. You know, I think it's the... It's either, you know, you, you notice something and I'm sure, you know, all the people you've, you know, that you've been in front of and, and everything, you have to want to grow every day unless you're going to be lost because it constantly grows all the time. The technology totally. explodes. The, the weightlifting, though, it doesn't because everywhere we always go really far out with technology and then we end up with doing what the East Germans and the Russians did in 1960, right? Bench Everybody pressing, tries to use all this, yeah, yep, totally, all this totally. wild stuff and it's all these crazy things and these brand new ideas and you hook yourself up to wires and at the end of the day you guys come out technology comes said and they look just lift heavy this is what happens you know and <laughs> to touch on that I, I think it's great too what you were talking about with that that ability per perceived exertion i i think that people don't realize that everything is about efficiency right we were talking about this before you're training to do something so in the military if i'm carrying a 200 pound rucksack and it feels like a hundred. I'm good. I'm in good You're shape. Good. Totally. I have good bone density, but yeah. if I'm carrying 60 pounds and it feels like I'm carrying a piano, we have a problem. You know, and I think that we talked about that, not wanting to say, I don't know. And also people don't like simple answers. If I came yeah. up to you and said, look, you're at risk to hurt your ACLs because when you carry your book bag, it's like you're carrying a Jeep and totally. your friend over there, it's like he's carrying nothing. People want more, but, but how I but think it's, a, it's like exactly telling you that's what it is. So now we need to figure out a program to yep. correct. Like you need to train up your deficit. You yep. know, I think you it's, need to do more squats. You need to like get stronger there, kid, mm-hmm. because you're not strong enough. Quite yep. frankly, I, I yeah. think there's a, in, in this, you know, an opinion, but I, I think there's, if you only, we talked about this before with bandwidth, if you only give somebody one thing to work on, they have to work on that or fail. And I think it's, you know, you see it a lot of times, right? Nothing against yoga, but yoga teachers, what do they do? A lot of them, they stretch all the time. Why they're good yeah. stretching. They don't go in the squat rack and try to squat 305. It's no. because it's a pattern. And I think instead of saying, look, you need to be better at squatting and that's it, right? Let's work on that for three, four weeks or five weeks. 
Totally. It's, it's give me, I want 35 things to work on. So now if I don't feel like doing these things, I can go to this other bag of stuff as opposed to me just saying, look, man, this is what you want to do, right? Your gates messed up, fix that. Instead, totally. they want a list of stuff so they don't feel like doing that. They can come back to here. I think that is our biggest I thing. I agree because, more. Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. want, want, I mean, not that we're, but we're in a complaining generation. It's instead of saying you need to learn how to dribble with your left hand, it's, so what do I do? Well, you're going to go home for six months to dribble with your left hand. But instead it's, well, I, I want to learn to do 360s and I can't dunk as good yet. It's all nonsense. If people yeah. just, just dribble better with your left hand, trust me, just start with that. Exactly. You know, we find um, like we, so we help a lot of organizations and athletes out individually and they kind of ask us for coaching. Now, in, in a fact, it, it is kind of coaching, but we call it more recommendations. So it's more like, look, we're seeing this and this is what it might mean. So you might want to do that. And we're very particular in choosing those words because we don't really know. And it is a recommendation. It's like, look, I've only collected on 3000 people. I say only, that's amazing for us, but it is also a small amount of people. So how can I make a broad sweeping like this means this? But you have high asymmetries, man, which are actually quite high. Like, are you okay? Starts a conversation. It's like, okay, well, it might mean this. Like it might mean that you have a deficit that we need to work on. So you need to do more single leg, you know, squats and jumps. And, you know, like you got to work out that one leg, but like that might fix it, might think like we recommend. It's not like you need to go do, do these sets and these reps. It's like, well, do you? I don't know. So yeah, I, I think it's, you know, you, you, you talk about it. I've talked about communication. It's all about, you know, Jordan Peterson again, right? Say what you mean. Yeah, it is. Right? Communication is everything. Say what you mean and, and be truthful. And I think that's that's a big deal because I would rather a coach be like, look, man, I don't know, you know, but I think there's there's a misconception is right, because everything is all about how things used to be or, or perception, right? We talk about realities, yeah. perception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody thinks that strength coaches, egotistical, pound your chest, and we can get through everything like war. Where in reality, I think it's we need to be honest, but if I know that you know your knee injury is is not gonna be that great. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be sympathetic and, 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 you know, be there and tell you it's all over. You have to provide that, that of course. into the tunnel. But I also think you have to be there too, for, you have to provide information where you have to be a realist also, you know, cause you get yeah, a lot of people like, Oh, no problem. We can get through that. No big deal. When sometimes we have to be real. I don't know. I don't, I've never seen this before. Or this is bad. You might never throw again. These are the things we have to add because it would make things a lot easier because you see it on both ends. One is, oh, well, this person told me I'd never play again. So they quit and they're done. Yeah. Or you have the other one where it's, you told me that I would be this way, or you said that my velo would be this and it's not. And now it's your fault instead of, totally. you know, totally. I, I think that that communication and the, the, the stuff is, is huge, you know, and, and what we've talked about over the last hour and changes Communication. I think it's what that you know with of your course. Voice, yeah, what yeah. saying and you is communication. And even how we get some customers is like they'll come back to us. You know, let's say a basketball team just renewed for the beginning of their third year, and it's you know they come back to us often with some of the best players in the NBA. Can't say their names, but you know they make forty million dollars a year, and they're saying so. Like, what does this mean? Like, like honestly, man, like we're doing our best. We don't see him. 
sure he has a little high a a a symmetries you might want to go and talk to him because that does seem like a pretty big change it's like outside of kind of like our like expected change so it kind of starts a a conversation but again it's like the managing the expectations clear you know clear talking yeah i think i think that's big also too so back to your comment about like telling an athlete that that they're never going to play again. If someone says that to you, even if that might be the truth, no one should ever fucking say that to you. They should say, look, your injury is really fucking bad. And if you are going to play again, I don't even know, man, it's going to take so much work and I'm happy to be there and we're going to work and we're going to do it. It might happen. It might not, but nobody should ever be categorical. Like I think the negativity around in this world is insane because you should never tell somebody they're not going to, even if they might not play again. You have to say that it's really bad and they might not play again, but they also might. It's up to them, you know? Yeah, no, I I, I think it's great. I did negativity. I, I think that is, you know, just get, but that's the worst part. I mean, you have, you have strength coaches that, you know, they hide their information because everybody thinks they have the, the Holy grail of training. And so they don't want to answer questions. And then if you put yourself out there, there's always somebody that tears it down, but then on both ends, one person gets mad and the other person thinks they're right. And I think that that's all our whole problem with things. And then somebody like you comes in with, with hard numbers and say, well, actually he is right. And it causes a whole big totally. thing where if we would just say, okay, we're all wrong, but, He's got a better idea because he's using computers and science and things that are way out of my realm. And according to his technology, that's working. So we're going to do that. And I think that's where people should be after an answer instead of people want, you know, you've seen it at a coaching conference. I always think it's hilarious. It happens to me every once in a while. You go to a coaching conference, right? And it's 700 coaches and then you. And they all ask, what type of band? When, what day do I put this exercise in? How many do I do? How tall is the pit? All these generic, like cookie cutter exercises, right? And then you ask a question that's high level and the people get mad, right? But I think that it's, totally. it's, it's a misunderstanding of a question, but it's also like, we should be closer with the coaches, right? They should all Everybody should just, yeah, everybody should be just, everybody should know, especially in the world of sports. I I see this on Twitter between like different people in sprinting or strength coach or whatever. It's like, guys, everybody is trying to figure it out. We're Mm -hmm. all trying our best. People should just be more like comrades. Like, yo, man, like, cool. Mm -hmm. You think that, I think something kind of different. I don't know you. I don't know your clients or your athletes. Like people need to be way more, less aggressive. It's not so combative. Like we're all trying to do a good job here. So I feel like I see some like back and forths on Twitter and I have to put my phone down. I'm like, Oh my God. So negative. People just getting so worked up. Like everyone just needs to relax a little bit, you know? Yeah. And then you have, you know, the stuff with people, people, it's, it's a lot of people take credit for genetics. We just bring up track. Oh, yeah. well, but I train Usain Bolt runs, Usain Bolt ran a nine, five, six. The guy's six foot seven. Like he was born in Jamaica. Like there's all that, you know, with the, his, his ratio between hamstring and quad is 75 yeah, to like 25. Got, he was a, he yeah. has high asymmetries, which is not normal, but yeah. somehow for him, he's the best runner in the world in yeah. history, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. He come, but he comes yeah. out of the box sideways because yeah, he generates yeah. so much power. People don't know that he was in the Olympics at 16, but he wasn't any good because he was too small or sorry, he wasn't strong enough to keep his torso taut. But the point of it is you didn't train him to be fast. He was fast. And then, you know, you did some totally. stuff. I, I think that's another, oh, well, 
he trained Kobe Bryant or he trained Michael Jordan. And it's kind of like, no, you didn't. There's that's genetics. Right. And it's and I think that the people keep trying to replace genetics with performance. And then they use your, you know, not you, but technology yeah. as a scapegoat. Oh, well, Justin Verlander scored this on a force plate and he threw 101 till he was 35. And I'm like, and you see, I think that's where we get stuck instead of saying, totally. well, Justin Verlander's a freak. The technology tells us what he's able to do that may or may not recruit to what he does on the field. But if I can take the data and get somebody who's not well known or whatever to produce the same amount of numbers across the board, because I hate when it's one exercise, we totally. might be able to get him to have the same force output or performance as Justin Verlander. But understand that Justin Verlander is Justin Verlander for a reason. And he's the only person that truly has true spin. And he just, he's the only one of the only pitcher in history. He gets stronger as the game goes on. That was always his thing. But I we think just don't know the why sometimes. It's just, it's almost like a human fallacy. We always try to figure out why, but we just don't know. Like, like lots of times we don't know why. So, you know, it's like false correlations. If it every morning when the sun comes up and the cock crows, people would be like, well, that rooster is the reason why the sun comes up. No, it just happens at the same time. The sun could come up yeah. whether that rooster crows or not, you know, but like people will look at, they'll hear the rooster and it's like, well, we don't really know that, you know, like you can't. So. Hold on one second. Start with rooster. So you froze. Right oh, after gotcha. rooster and sun, okay, and then yeah, it yeah. cut out, and then I hit pause, and then there you go. Okay. Okay. So it's kind of like when the sun comes up and the rooster crows, we think, well, maybe the rooster makes the sun come up. That would be an easy thing to think. Well, no, because if the rooster crows or not, the sun's going to come up. So they might happen at the same time every day. They might be correlated, but they're really not connected, right? So, like, we do that a lot in performance. We're like, ah, oh, well, this means this. Well, do we know that? I don't know. I just happen at the same time. Absolutely. Know? Yeah, I know. Right. I think like we, we've been talking about it. I, I think it's more, we have to learn to say, I don't know. I just want to ask like, just for, for future stuff with what you guys are doing, are you think, are you going to go more with like team setting and software? Or are you eventually going to do it where I can go to like uh, a website, buy one just for myself and, and analyze what's kind yeah. of the, if you can answer that, what's of kind of the I direction you know, where, where you're going to go or where do you see yourself, you know, both maybe, you know, just curious. Cause like I said, the technology is great. If, uh, like I said, we'll talk about it a little bit more after, but. Yeah. So, you know, we have spent the last three years in professional sport NCAA, military hospitals, performance centers, all of that has actually been part of the plan. So we wanted to take kind of elite uh, technology that's used in athletes talking about that trickle down effect and actually bring it to the individual athlete and even the individual, like a walking mom. So what we're doing actually this year is we're starting a beta program. So if people want to go to plantiga.com slash beta, they can sign up, but we're actually going to bring the same. So our hardware, our analytics, but also one-on-one -on -one coaching with some of our movement specialists and even four or five on staff being able to actually offer that to individual athletes. So the same stuff that we're doing for, you know, athletes on this NBA team, but bringing that to the individual. So that could be a runner or someone doing CrossFit, 
we're kind of focusing on athletes, but ultimately it's anybody that understands that they just want to boost their longevity. They want to, you know, um, recover faster from an ACL or an MCL or a hamstring, or they just want to perform at an optimum level. So our goal is again, that democratization of game analytics and, and the value of that. So this year we're starting a beta program with very limited spots um, and that's up and running right now. So kind of, we, like we, we track a couple in the NHL individual athletes. We track a couple in the NBA. We track some guys overseas. Um, but really we're, we're excited about that. So no, the future is, is the individual and probably next year you're going to be able to come and buy individually. Um, and then we're going to still continue to sell to practitioners. And quite frankly, we have kind of a research arm uh, uh, of our business that is growing. Like we just sold into a pretty big U, um, uh, Australian university for a bunch of military research as well. So Australian research, yeah. practitioners, and then individuals. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Australia is a great place for that. But like I said, I'm happy to see that that's going up there. But I think it's great that the the technology, you know, they they start off in professional, but then it's coming down to where the normal person can understand it. Because I think that's 100%. where that's where we need stuff, right? LeBron James doesn't have any, doesn't really need to know whether he puts pressure on his outside or inside of his foot. But it's good to have the data. But a normal person that has foot problems, say there's a nurse or, or something like that, you know, that's where we really find, you know, the helpful with these stuff is technologies. Totally. And like we're, so we're simplifying that to like a movement health score. So that kind of same algorithm that I was talking about around load carriage, being able to just quantify. So another thing that we did is we collected on a number of ACL um, uh, uh, patients and we built a model and a five point score that can basically grade, does your limb move like it is injured or it is healthy? And can we track that to see on a rehab where you're ahead of schedule, behind schedule, or kind of on par? So right now, if you score a one on a walk test, that means your limb literally looks like a two-week post-op ACL. If you score a five, that means your limb looks like other limbs in our database that are super healthy. If you score a three, that means your limb kind of looks like an injured limb, kind of looks like a healthy limb. Now, we have people who've had an ACL five years ago that will record a three. So their patterns are still, they haven't fully um, recovered. So I think bringing it down to some simple metrics on their movement health, on their speed, on their RSI, giving that kind of power and, and the kind of simplicity in that in a mobile app with the actual kind of sensors, that's what we're going to bring to the individual over this year and next year, or as in a practitioner at a seeing like tons of metrics and they're kind of diving deep. So that's kind of how we're going to splinter the platform kind of over the next 12 months. Awesome. And is that something too, you know, you talked about ACL a lot can eventually, or, or will it be, you know, go towards like if somebody gets a hip replacement, ankle injury. 100%. Oh, 100%. Uh, and so we've done a lot on the knee joint just because of the military contract. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a big focus. We've actually collected a ton on ankle injuries as well. So we are embedded in a couple of physical therapy, sports med clinics. The benefit of that is our ability to tag and label tons of high quality data on back injuries, hip replacements. So that will be a part of the platform. So anybody that is dealing with any type of lower bottle, 
um, musculoskeletal issue, you can track that with real data that will grade the kind of quality of that um, movement. And I put quality in quotes because it's really hard to determine quality or variability, but we actually are making some really good strides, pun intended, um, towards that. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think that's groundbreaking for injuries. You know, you could have somebody 100%. have surgery, they come back and now you have the numbers. Oh, I feel great. Yeah, but your, your gate's trash, right? Totally, I mean, that's, yeah. Like, that's will yeah. be, and, and we all, I don't think we'll run into, because you've seen it all the time, people get in, you know, people are fine and they get surgeries, especially for those, I, I think the, the, the you know, just an opinion, but the, the great thing that, that you guys are doing is that you're, you're taking something that is, has always been a problem because if you break your foot, right, if you get ingrown toenails, let's just say yeah. it affects everything because we can't just go walk on your hands. Right. And I think no. that's another thing that's not as talked about because if you break your thumb, right, you break your wrist. I don't need to use my right hand figuratively totally. speaking, but if you break a foot, an ankle, jam a toe, something happens, you still have to use these things. Right. And I always look at, and I'm sure you've seen it before those scooters, right. Instead of being on crutches now, people use those scooters. And I'm like, those are terrible for your hips. Now, now we're walking around with a hip hike. And, and you know, it, like I cringe when I look at rehab stuff because I'm like, we have to make it somehow better so they can live. Like you can't roll around on a scooter for eight months. Crutches are terrible. The what You know, I think the best thing probably is the walking boot because it takes the pressure off and, you know, move. Walking boots stuff. are great. Plus, yeah. you're actually walking. And yeah. it's like, you know, plantiga comes from the word plantigrade. Plantigrade means a mammal that puts their toes in the metatarsals flat on the ground. You know, there's very few mammals in the world that are plantigrade. Mm -hmm. Bears, humans, then you go down to like mice actually can go like this, but that's where plantigrade comes from. The word plantigrade, like basically mm -hmm. a bipedal person or mammal standing up with their feet flat on the ground because it's so critical. Yeah. Like movement and mobility is everything. And in fact, talking about our beta program, like we, like I do think very soon here, athletes are fine, but like anybody, someone that's just a health enthusiast that is dealing with, you know, knee osteoarthritis, heck fuck man, we've even done some work with Parkinson's, like just being able to track mobility and asymmetries and gait speed with people that have Parkinson's, like just walking alone might be one of the best lenses into your health. So just like people kind of track their 10,000 steps, I, man, I think in like a year or two, people that are 70 are gonna be wearing Plantiga. And if they leave the house and they're not wearing them, like, does my walk count if I didn't track it? Like mm -hmm. people are gonna wanna be able to track every time they go out and walk. And I like, I think that world's happening whether we do it or not. And I'm kind of working hard where we're the de facto kind of group that does that. But yeah, it's, it's literally for everybody. It's not just for athletes. Absolutely. And, and I think the, the way that the technology should be integrated uh, with coaching is that find out what you, the answers you want and then get the piece of equipment that helps for what you want to do. Right. I think, you know, the, the, the new course, so you'll see a lot of people, they have their athletes are wired up, you know, like uh, outlets you have to find out what you want too, right? So if you're going to use yeah. a pole to track, say, right, people sleep like crap, go buy an aura ring, right? You want to test ACL injuries, buy yours. But I also think there, once something like this, you know, this is available to everybody, you know, then people will be able to realize that we can track these things. And now it's going to be a point where, okay, what do I specialize in? Okay, 
uh, leg drive, leg development. I buy totally. this technology. I, I think that's the next step that we need to go through so that you don't have guys with 40,000 things wired up to them going to play second base in the big leagues, right? I think yeah. it's important to say, okay, what do we want to find out today or what are we going to do this year? You know, totally. and, you know, and I think just, you know, with the wearables and the way yours works, it's an ability to, they don't, they don't know they're wearing it. I think that's the hard, you know, even that's the, amazing. The Unobtrusive, the like, uh, yeah. You know, that you abilities. Know, yeah. Like the thing about catapults and connexons or things like that, like they're fantastic, but it, it just like the thing about footwear and why we do well in military um, settings, it's just unobtrusive. You can't feel it. We've also partnered with footwear manufacturers to embed the pod in the sock liner of the shoe. We partner with orthotics manufacturers where for some of our MBA clients, we literally get sent the orthotic from the player. We retrofit it to actually hold the actual sensor there and you just can't feel it. So, you know, like, do you know what the Hawthorne effect is? So if we're tracking someone, they change the way that they move, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I know that I'm being tested for gait yeah. or jump or something, yeah. I don't really move naturally. So you need to literally go into the real world or basically have somebody not aware that they're being tracked. That's where I think our value proposition really comes in is it's unobtrusive, it's anywhere, anytime, passive. It just collects that data. And then either in the moment, so right now it's not real time, there's no wireless on there, but like very soon probably it'll be like telling you stuff as it's happening, um, you know, for you to act on. So okay. So the, the current phase is you put it in there, it collects the data, and then, then you take it out and put it somewhere else. And then that's when you get the gotcha. Yeah, 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 totally. And also too, like back to that uh, practitioner, I think practitioners are critical to our to our strategy and in general, so we see a world very soon here where we work with some running clinics or running physical therapy groups. They right now are asking us to be able to send their patients home with Plantiga so the patient can track every time that they run and that COVID pandemic remote monitoring world will be in that phase of like four or five months. Even pro teams are asking us about, hey, can I send some of my guys home after the season to basically collect this stuff by themselves at home? And I feel like that's kind of where this world is kind of going and, 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 and we're kind of well positioned to take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was going to, you know, as you're talking, bring up the you know, the, the, I didn't know it's called the Hawthorne method. Now I know, but the stuff with, you know, ACL braces and things in weight rooms and why, you know, if somebody has an ACL problem, we wear a brace. Why? It's a close, right. for close. Totally. Right? And you're going to move on naturally. Why do I want to promote you moving crappy or the way totally. you move anyway in here? And I think that's a big deal. I mean, I've gotten arguments with trainers back in the day, but I've never understood that. You're right. In the game, I get it right. Things are happening. You're not thinking we need that for protection, but in a weight room, the odds of you tearing your ACL. I mean, if I very low, coach, I should go find another job. I mean, it's totally hundred you know, percent, man. I, think I cannot agree more. Yeah. So I wanted to ask. Usually, you know, towards the end, we I do what's what's your advice for people in the field? But I'd like to get at your advice. What is your advice for somebody who wants to be involved in performance but wants to go the analytical route? What would you give them as a piece of advice to kind of start off and where to where to start? So if they're in academia, I think the best thing that you could do is just start collecting data. So whether that's force plate data or heart rate data, like the best thing to do is just start collecting it. And you'll start to see your own variabilities, variabilities with your own clients. 
that's just a big thing. I think just jumping in, pun intended, but like just jump in. In fact, we're just about to set up a little bit of a program where if people want to do research in like a postdoc, PhD, uh, master's, they can apply and we'll give them our product and our platform and our service and support for free to support them in that research. Um, so I feel like it's just important for anybody that wants to dive in is just to start doing it, doing, doing, doing. Quickest way to learn is just to jump in and not overthink it. So if you want to jump in, do it. Email me, like, you know, start some research, like just do it. Figure out a question and jump in. Life is short. We only live really 25,000 days is the average lifespan. So if you think you're growing up for eight or 9,000, your final years are eight or 9,000, you got like 10,000 days in the middle of your life to fucking do shit. So dive in. Absolutely. I, I think that's great. You know, same thing. Dive in. You want to do something, especially now? Dive in. I, I think that, you know, we, we talk about it over because it's always there, but COVID should, in my opinion, taught you if you want to do something, go do it because go do it. Totally. Because no, no job is safe, no career is safe because of things this way. So why not either, you know, fail? I guess this is negative, but why not fail at what you want to do, right? Jim Carrey says, you might as well try and then fail at something you want to do, then fail at something that you hate. And I think I that. that that rings bigger and bigger fellow Canadians. Hey, look, I yeah, didn't even do, yeah, didn't even yeah. do that on purpose. And, yeah. you know, like I said, and, and like being able to just, whatever you want to do, you want to collect data, get involved. Let's go do it. Podcast, if you want to research, read. Yeah. Yep. If you want to start a podcast, just do it. Just do yeah. it. You know what exactly. I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think, listen, Nike hit it on the head. I, I think that's the best advice, you know, just do it. Don't worry about stuff. And, and I think a lot of it too is don't overthink it. You know, just it, as long as you have the gift to do it, right. If you have a pot with me, I talk. So podcast right if you're interested and you have set things that separate just go do it right i mean obviously if you're it. not a big if you're shy and you don't know how to talk to people being a coach you might have to do some other things but totally in terms of that i, I think it's just important to do but that. then go take a public speaking course just exactly. do it like just it doesn't matter your skills like i know this because i've done a bunch of hiring and we have a team the biggest skill that i see in my team members people that we hire is just the ability to do like do execute do don't overthink no one knows what the fuck they're doing mm -hmm. like just do it you know and i just love that quality i feel like we have a pretty amazing team but uh yeah like don't even ask me sometimes just go do it you know so even if someone wanted to start and just like think about sports science man take your app and watch if you have one and just go do stuff and start tracking that data in an Excel spreadsheet on Google Docs and just see what happens. See what happens with your heart rate and the amount of like, but it's calorie counter or whatever. It's so bad. Anyways, but still just do it. Start it. Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, so for anybody that wants to uh, reach out to you, has more questions about the technology, uh, where's the best place to reach you? And just, you know, when I, when I do do the promotion on Instagram, uh, for the podcast in a few weeks, I will put your Instagram heading and all your awesome. stuff on there. But is there any other place? Uh, yeah, anybody, like I'm open with my email. So anybody, if they want to contact me, it's qsandler at plantiga.com. Like Adam Sandler, qsandler at uh, plantiga.com. Anybody that's interested in joining our beta program. So we're keeping it tight, but anybody that kind of signs up, we'll give them kind of early access when we launch kind of in the next probably six, seven months. Um, uh, plantiga.com slash beta. And that program is pretty powerful because you'll get the actual sensors. But what I think is really important is you actually get that human interaction through chatting in the app and an onboarding session, depending on what your goal is. 
to help you attain that goal. And we're very excited about our beta program because again, we have pro teams and research and clinics, but this is our first foray into the individual. So anybody that's interested in joining, I would love for them to uh, sign up. All right, absolutely. Well, Quinn, Quinn it was great. Uh, I love the conversation. I love the technology, man. I, I can't wait till it comes out and hopefully you'll I get be in the beta. Just sign up and we're, and we're going to get you going. Okay. Awesome, man. I can't wait. Okay. Thanks, man.